Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Say, all right, Pastor, let's get to the message. Let's go to it. Father, thank you so much for the opportunity I have to be able to minister to your precious people. I pray that you anoint my lips to do what I cannot do in my own flesh. That is to preach your perfect word. Anoint my tongue to be the pen of the ready writer, ready to etch upon each and every heart under the, for those on the sound of my voice. I thank you today that hearts are open and ready to receive, that ears are open and ready to hear. And Holy Spirit, you have a word that you'll speak behind this teach one of us, convicting us in a certain area of our life that needs to be changed. We're in a constant progression with you, and we're not looking to quit or slow down now. Thank you for this opportunity we have that we do not take lightly. People around the world, our brothers and sisters in the faith, who are being murdered and massacred right now just to have an opportunity to gather together, to assemble together, to hear the word, to be able to hold the Bible. But yet, God, sometimes we allow for our own comforts to get in the way of something that we have been told by you to continually do. May you be glorified in it. I thank you for it. Mr. And by Jesus, I pray. All is in agreement, is it? Amen, amen, amen. So we've been in a series on the Holy Spirit entitled The Evidence, and today I want to continue uh, that series. We, we In the first, uh, first uh, part of this, we talked about the evidence, what the evidence looks like, the evidence of your life. You can gauge your life and you can look back and know that the evidence has always been there to prove the existence of God in your life, that the Holy Spirit has been there with you in times where you just couldn't figure out what happened. You ever had those times like, I don't know, I don't know how I knew it, but I did. I don't know how it came, but it did, and it came right on time. It's just we all have evidence that proves God to be God in our lives. And while we may not want to accept it, while we may not want to see it, he's always been there, and the evidence has always been true. Then we talked about the Holy Spirit as being a counselor, as being an advocate, as being an attorney, as being a lawyer. So last week's setting, we had, we had a setting of that of a courtroom. This week, we'll have a setting of that of a hospital and a jail cell, the Holy Spirit. The purpose of this is to show you who the Holy Spirit is in relation to your life so that my, my, my desire is that I make it practical enough that when you're able to leave, you're able to say, this is how I can commune with him. This is how I can talk to him. This is who he is in my life. There are a couple of scriptures that I want to go over first, and then after that I'll do some review of last week, and then I'm going to tie together this week, and then we're going to, I'm going to let you guys go. So if you got any appointments or anything after this, I want to make sure you don't miss, in your, you don't, you don't miss your open table. Come on, somebody. So y'all laughing because you know you got it. Mission impossible. It would almost seem as if the mission to redeem you would be an impossible one. It may not be something that we would all want to admit openly, but if we were to all take inventory of our lives, if there was a light that was shown on us that would show every piece of our life, even that stuff that we hide, we may then finally admit that the mission to redeem us, to save us, would be an impossible one. 
that I'm a mission that nobody else can touch, that possibly, Pastor, I'm a lost cause, that nobody wants me, that I'm used goods, that I can understand how God would love me. You know, one of the, one of the hardest concepts for many of us to get is that God loves us. It's simple, but yet it's very difficult. Because we ask ourselves the question, who is man that thou art mindful of us? Why would you consider to love somebody like me? Don't you know what I've done? Don't you know what I've said? Don't you know where I've been? Don't you, don't you, don't you know what, I, what I've been like? Don't you know my past? I'm quite sure you know my present and you definitely know my future. Why in the world would you love somebody like me? So today we, we, we look at the Holy Spirit as being somebody who proves that the love of God is true. Uh, he definitely will not leave us and forsake us. I want to look at Acts chapter 10, looking in the, in the, in the uh, New Living Translation Bible, Acts 10, 38. It says, and you know that God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power. So now we get something here. It says that, that, that Jesus was anointed with the Holy Spirit and with power. So now that lets us know if he's anointed with the Holy Spirit and power, then the next, that the next piece of this verse should let us know what should happen after you are anointed with the Holy Spirit and power. So people ask me, what does the anointing of the Holy Spirit do? When you, know, you hear people say, I'm anointed to do this, and this is what many of them are saying, hopefully. It says, then Jesus went around doing good. So when you're anointed with the power of the Holy Spirit, you should be doing some good. If you're not, then that probably ain't the Holy Ghost. You're anointed to do good, and then it says, and healing all who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. You should be able to do good, and you should be able to heal those who are oppressed by the devil, to heal those who are oppressed by the wicked one. I won't go through all of this, but 1 Corinthians chapter 12, I would encourage you in your, in your own time, 1 Corinthians chapter 12, to read verses 1 all the way through verse 11. It talks about the gifts of the Spirit. And it talks about when the Holy Spirit, when, when you receive the gift of the Holy Spirit, when, the Holy, when, they, when, that, when you are anointed with the Holy Spirit, there are certain gifts that you are endowed with. And we're all endowed in different ways. It talks about a gift of administration. It talks about some with a gift of serving. <clears throat> and here it says some receive the gift of special knowledge, some advice. It says to, the, the same Spirit gives a great faith to one, a gift of faith. Uh, to someone else in the Spirit, he gives the gift of healing. To some, he gives the gift of, of performing miracles. To another, the ability to prophesy. Different gifts that the Holy Spirit gives. You know, I gave this example last week, and I'm going to use it again for, for, to, to drive this point home. But if I came in here with a plate of oatmeal raisin cookies, and my heart was set on giving you these oatmeal raisin cookies and blessing you, I would love to bless myself with some right now. But if I had a plate of oatmeal raisin cookies and I dropped them, they fell to the floor, if different people were around, we would see how different people operate in their gift because their gift will always shine when it's needed the most. Uh, it, when, 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 the, when the plate drops, we'll see somebody who's gifted in serving. That person won't ask any questions. They'll just jump down. It's almost like a baseball slide to grab all the cookies, grabbing the plate, plate broke. They got, they running to get the broom and the dustpan. The, a person with a gift of giving is going is to come around and say, you know, what kind of cookies were there? Oatmeal raisin cookies? Don't worry about it. With the sugar cookies, I'm going to get oatmeal raisin. I get sugar. Y'all want anything? Y'all want peanut butter? No, I don't need no money. I just, I'm just telling you. Chocolate chip, you want chocolate chip? You want almonds? You want almonds for it. I'll get you almonds, though. <laughs> Go through the whole list because I, 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 got, I got a gift of giving. A person with a gift of administration, that person is just standing back. Don't do nothing but administrate. 
What you doing? Why don't you help clean up these cookies over here? You're like, why don't you get up and clean up the cookies? Clean up. You gotta, you gotta, you gotta make sure you get this stuff done. But, but you didn't get all the, you didn't get all the glass up. They're administrating. They administrate. That's all. They just administrate. You got a person with a gift of teaching. Don't they just annoy you in situations like that? It's like the, the plate of cookies fail, and they're like, you know, God has a message in this. Those cookies are still edible, but they're broken. See, God can still use a broken cookie. And everybody's looking like, would you please shut up? Like, nobody cares about your teaching right now. Could you teach by yourself? Because nobody cares about that. The person with the gift of prophecy, you're almost like, why didn't you tell me they were going to fall? <laughs> Can you not see it, seer? <laughs> you didn't see them cookies were going to fall? <laughs> a person with a gift of healing, you may assume, because, because all we've seen with healing has just been laying on of hands. But how many of you know a, heal, a healing could be encouragement? A person with a gift of healing, could that, that's that person who comes up. That's the encourager. Don't worry about it. You didn't mean to drop them. You didn't mean to drop the cookies. I know they failed, but you didn't mean, don't be beating yourself up. Come on. You didn't mean to. And like, you know, I feel bad because I, I wanted y'all to eat the cookies. And they're like, I know they probably wanted them. I know they were probably good, but don't worry. We'll get some more. It's not that big of a deal. And that's healing. That brings healing. The Holy Spirit is the, is the, is the provider of these gifts. And, and here's the thing that I want you to always know. This is very simple. You can't give what you don't possess. The Holy Spirit is the healer. He's saying, I'm coming in to heal a broken situation. The Holy Spirit is guidance. The Holy Spirit is showing us things. The only, the only way he can give you a gift of prophecy is because he already sees it. That's why he tells you, I've already made a way of escape because I know what's coming. I know what it's like. I know I'm telling you to move because where I'm telling you to move to has what you need. Because if you stay where you are, the pot that you're planted in is going to contain you. It's too small for where you are. It's time for you to grow. But you don't understand if I move, then it's going to be hard. That's the point. I need time for your roots to grow. So, yes, you may not see a sprout within the next couple of years. You may not see fruit for a good little minute. But if you just stay planted long enough, you'll see what I have been trying to show you. See, the Holy Spirit already knows. He's a great administrator. He keeps us straight, doesn't he? A great administrator. Would you please wake up, lazy? You've been, I've, I've been trying to tell you, wake up at five. I've been telling you to wake up at five. And we like, well, we're going we gonna to push it back to six because God still woke at six. <laughs> I remember one time I had, I had a, I was a part of an intercessory prayer team and they said, uh, they say, um, Cornelius, we're going to put you at 3 a.m. prayer time. And I said, well, look now. <clears throat> <laughs> Is God woke at noon? Because that's about the time that I'm probably good. Because God woke at noon. I remember waking up, waking up at 2.30. I remember looking at that clock. It would be 2.30 in the morning. And I was like, okay, watch me on the wall. I'm praying for somebody else. <laughs> Woo, it kind of gets you. But, but, but the Holy Spirit is a giver of these gifts. Now, in this thing, last week we talked about we're in the setting of a courtroom. And I got to give you all the important characters of the courtroom in order for you to gain relevance of what I'm getting ready to take you to. So in the courtroom, you have the prosecution. This is a criminal case. You have the prosecution. You have the prosecutor. And the prosecutor has one goal. They are to prove beyond a reasonable doubt that the defendant is, in fact, guilty. 
The Bible says in the book of Revelations that the enemy, the devil, Beelzebub, Lucifer, however you want to refer to him, he is constantly hurling accusations against us both day and night. We see that in the book of Job when he goes to God and he says, he says, you know, God says, where have you been? He says, I've been roaming the earth trying to find somebody. And God says, well, have you tried my servant Job? It's like, God, why would you put me up like that? But then you would think that God puts him up like that because God already knows he can handle it. Have you tried my servant Job? I can't. Why? Because you got your hand on him. Okay, I'll remove my hand. You can touch everything around him, but you can't touch him. It, it, the enemy destroys everything he has, took away all of his kids, killed all of his kids, his livestock. You got to think his livelihood, everything he had, he was destroyed. Job hurting. But Job still wouldn't turn from God. Why won't you just curse God and die? But I still can't turn away from him. And then, and then the enemy goes back and he says, he says, well, well, you know, the only reason why he didn't turn from you is because your hand was still on him. God says, all right, I will remove my hand from him. And now you can touch him. So now he has boils on his body. Imagine, imagine trying to, trying to, trying to lay in a bed and you cannot find any, any spot that's comfortable. It just hurts constantly. The 24 hours, seven days a week, you're in constant pain. And in that moment, he still won't curse God. He has friends around him who are trying to advise him. But how many of you know sometimes having too many voices is a dangerous thing? And everybody speaking a word to you ain't always the best thing. Just because you got community don't mean everybody can say everything they want to you. So you got to close yourself up sometimes to say, nope, I won't curse him. And I'm about to curse you if you don't leave me alone. So they're around him. They're trying to talk to him. They're trying to. And then, and then finally, towards the end of the, towards the, end of the book, Job finally has it out with God, and then God has it out right back with Job, and then Job finally relents. God, you are God. Though you slay me, I'll trust you. I'll be there with you. I got you a whole step of the way. I won't turn from you. And Job recovers everything that he lost in a greater measure than how he lost it. Reading the book of Job is almost like, is almost like watching the movie Joker. It's like this is pretty psychotic. And the modes and methods and, and his ideology of how he jumps in and out of a state of a state of reality. His friends trying to draw him back, but unsure of really where he is in that point of psychosis. But nonetheless, in this courtroom, the prosecution is the enemy and he's hurling accusations against us. The judge is God the Father. We know God is the judge. It says it all throughout the scripture. He is the judge. And here's the crazy thing. All the accusations that, that the judge is now taking in, we know they're true. We know who we are. We know what we've done. We know how we did it. We know why we did it. But God says, hold on, I'll tell you what. I'm going to send y'all a mediator. I'll wrap myself up in flesh because y'all can't do it. Y'all been trying to do it, but you can't. You tried. I mean, I gave you law. You couldn't keep it. I knew you couldn't keep it. So now I'm going to become a lamb without spot or without blemish. I'll come into the earth. I will be blameless. I will be spotless. I'll be sinless. I'll go and I'll sacrifice myself for you. And now I'll give you a mediator. And the scripture says that Jesus Christ, that there is only one mediator that stands between the Father and mankind, and that is the man, Jesus Christ. There's only one mediator. So now in the courtroom, we have the prosecutor, 
which is the enemy. We have the judge, which is God the Father. Now we have the mediator, God the Son, Jesus Christ. And the mediator is saying, now here's the thing. I come here to mediate this case between, between darkness and light. I came here to mediate this case between life and death. But here's the difference between a mediator and a counselor, between a mediator and an advocate, between a mediator and an attorney, between a, um, between a mediator and a lawyer. The mediator does not choose sides. The mediator says, I'm only here for one purpose, and that is to mediate the case. That's it. Now, we notice whenever Jesus was questioned as to what he was doing, he says, I'm here about one thing, my father's business. So now, which leads me to question that every time I've always said Jesus Christ died just for me, that I wasn't necessarily incorrect, but I was somewhat incomplete that Jesus Christ died because it was the father's will that he did. Because we needed a mediator. You need a mediator. You need a mediator. But the cool thing about Jesus now is that he sits at the right hand of the Father, interceding for us. And how many of y'all know we need some intercession? I know my life. I definitely need some intercession. Thank you, Jesus, for interceding for me, because I know every bit of crazy that's still in me. So now in this courtroom, we have the prosecutor, who is the enemy. We have the judge, God the Father. We have the mediator, who is Jesus Christ. And now Jesus says to his disciples, he says, I'm getting ready to leave. Y'all already know that. Y'all sense it. But don't worry. It's, 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 it's really better that I leave. Because when I leave, guess what? I'm going to send an advocate. You got to think, why do I need an advocate? Or why do I need an attorney? Why do I need a lawyer? Why do I need a counselor? Well, you need one because the mediator doesn't choose sides. This is where I am. But since you accept, when you accept the mediator, you accept the side of life, not death. Okay, but I need an advocate. Why? Because the prosecution is still hurling accusations against you. But now Jesus says, here's the Holy Spirit, an advocate. So now the advocate stands next to you in the courtroom and says, I'll argue the case for him. I'll argue the case on their behalf. Now, you got to think, you're the defendant. I'm the defendant. That's how it goes. We're, we're the defendant sitting in the room. We're on trial on a criminal case. The prosecution has already put forth the measures and says, I want death. Death. They don't deserve anything. This grace and mercy stuff you're talking about. Don't you realize, judge, what they've done against you? They slander your name constantly. They abide by nothing you say. They don't listen to you. They claim they do. They don't listen to you. You made it simple for them and just said, love the Lord your God and love your neighbors you love yourself. Well, they hate you and they hate each other. They hate their brothers and their sisters. They're not good. There's nothing in them that is good. And he's constantly hurling accusations. Now, you got to imagine, maybe you've sat in a courtroom before. Maybe you've been a defendant. And maybe this rings true to you, or maybe you haven't. So I just want you to picture yourself sitting in a courtroom. You're the defendant. You got your prosecutor. You got you got your counselor sitting right there next to you, and you got to have a good you got to have a good relationship with the counselor, don't you? A good relationship with your attorney, because the worst thing is to do is to be sitting down with your attorney and your attorney is not prepared. It's like, bro, I'm paying you for this. Like I'm gonna need for you to know the law, but when you got a good attorney, you like, man, I'm at peace. I feel comfortable a comforter, 
I'm comfortable right now. He can, oh, he got my case. I don't know the law as well as he does. And he can rightfully divide it in a, in a way that the judge will accept it. Oh, he's going to ruin the prosecution. I got this in the bag because the whole time, here's the thing. I know I'm guilty. I know I'm guilty. Oh, I'm so, so guilty. I know I'm guilty. And all I need is for the right attorney that's going to argue on my behalf. But here's the thing. We're sitting there, we're sitting there in, the, in the courtroom, and the prosecution is, is hurling stuff. You know how they do it. You know who they are. They're, they just, they're, they're agitators. They're fighters. They, they, they are the worst of the worst. You spend the whole time, and you, you look at the counselor. You said, if he say one more thing, I promise you I'm going to stand up and say something. The counselor says, would you please shut up? I don't, don't do that. I'm telling you, do not get out of character. But you don't understand. But they, they're, 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 just hur they're hurling accusations against me, and you know. But we both know they're true. I'm going to just need you to be quiet for just a moment because we, we know they true. Yeah, but you don't understand. You know what? I'm sick of this. I'm sick of you always. And the counselor's like, what are you? I'm grieved. Why? 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 The whole point of the prosecution is to get you out of character. And now you help to prove the case. Could you please sit down and shut up? Hush. Well, I, don't, I don't need you to try to argue against this. I got you. Yeah, but you don't understand. They slander in my name. You don't understand. They're going against me. Would you please be quiet? We both know it's true. And then we get real mad, don't we? When we're sitting there, we're sitting there on, in, in, the, in, in the chair, and then the prosecution says, I want to call up a witness. Witness? Who, who, who a witness is? <laughs> then all of a sudden, somebody who you know comes to sit on the witness stand, uh, tell me about the defendant. You know, this is what I heard somebody else say. Then that's when gossip comes in. This is what I heard somebody else say. Somebody else said that, you know, they don't, they're they not all the way ethical. You know, they, you know, they liars and, and they, they said some stuff. And you said the whole time, you like, I, wait till we get out of court. I'm, I'm definitely going to jail when I get finished. Just wait. Okay, all right. Do you know what I've done for, okay. You know who I've been. I got some stuff on you that can really get you. All right. And the counselor's like, would you please shut up? Because the point of this is, is you're trying to get them back now with vengeance. But trust me, one day they'll be on trial too. And in the same measure by which they're judging you right now, they shall be judged. So today they smile. Tomorrow they cry. And please be quiet because that throne that you see before you is a holy one. Right now it's a throne of grace. But if you don't get yourself together, that's going to be your throne of judgment. So would you please, now you can boldly approach the throne of grace, but you better be cautious because with your heart you got right now, when you approach it, it's going to be a throne of judgment. And the judge is not going to be pleased with the way you acted. I'm your counselor. I'm your advocate. I'm your lawyer. I'm your attorney. Would you please just shut up? Just sit down and be quiet. I got this. Let the witness continue. Well, you don't know how they are. You don't know this. That's why I was talking about slander and accusations, people who cause strife and cause division. They don't realize that they put you on trial. They, they stand in the witness of your trial today. But rest assured, I've lived long enough to see it. I've done this long enough to be around to record it. Rest assured, one day their trial will start. But here, 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 here comes the challenge that you will have to repay evil for evil. Or will you say, yeah, I know, but I choose not to testify. Why? Because the grace that I desire from God is the same one that I'm willing to give to them. 
I know what you did to me. I know what you said about me. I know, I know what was said. I know how it was said. But grace and mercy, which is evidence of the Holy Spirit, because if not, it would have been knuck and bows. <laughs> Elbows and knuckles. I, I, I'm in this courtroom. We're in this courtroom. We're, we're the defense, and, and we have an advocate, a counselor, who's right there with us. We have a judge who sits on a holy throne. The scripture says we can boldly approach the throne of grace. And in that day, we can ask for mercy. If you're on trial, the one thing you're going to want is some mercy. And you know that the prosecution is asking for the death sentence. Being thankful that you have a mediator who helps to mediate the case between you, uh, between life and death. And now you can choose the mediator. You can choose life and life more abundantly. A prosecution who doesn't stop hurling accusations against him. And, and, and here's, here's the thing. The devil the devil's like a snake. He's, it, it, the Bible says he's like a roaring lion, seeking to whom he may devour. It's very interesting. And you always have to make sure that you, you pinpoint key words. It says he is like a roaring lion, which goes to tell me that he is, he's all roar, no bite. He's like one. And he's coming after you with different accusations. And the problem is, is that we, we hear them and we accept them. It's not always what people say about us that gets us. It's not powerful. The words of other people are not powerful until we accept them as truth. When you accept it, when somebody, when somebody says you're stupid and you accept the fact that they called you that, that's when it becomes powerful. That's when it becomes oppression. When you look and you say, you don't even know me. I ain't stupid. Then it's like, that's, that's not even oppression. People, the enemy gets upset by that. And the people who work for him, they get mad when they can hurl accusations against you, but it doesn't take you out of your character. Oh, man. And you're sitting in a courtroom. Now, here's, here's the thing that I lead up to at this point. So now, the Holy Spirit is there with you. He is your advocate. He is your counselor. He's your attorney. He's your lawyer. And now it also says the Holy Spirit, he gives a gift of healing. The Holy Spirit is a healer. And you got to think, if, you, if you're in need of healing, then that must mean that for some reason, some way, we must be sick. Oppression. Being oppressed in many ways. Oppression can lead us in one or two places. Oppression can either lead us inside of a hospital where we're in need of constant care. Somebody to help us, to nurse us back to health. We're in need of healing. Or, or oppression can lead us into a jail cell. A place that has has oppressed us and kept us in. And there are some people who are in this place today who are in oppression. You're in jail cell. Now, I've heard people come to me and people say, you know, that Christian over there is demon-possessed. And I say, well, you know, you got to think about this now. The Holy Spirit is not going to share the same temple with a demon. In fact, the Scripture actually says that you don't even confess Jesus Christ without the Holy Spirit. You have to have the Holy Spirit just to believe that Jesus Christ is Lord. Then it says that no person, that, 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 that a person who, who, who denounces him, it says that person doesn't even have the Holy Spirit. So when you see people who denounce him, that means they don't even have the Spirit of God. So you can't expect things out of them that they don't have because a person cannot give you what they don't possess. I can't give you that. I can't give it to you because I don't possess it. They don't have the spirit of God within them. I know we try to change people. We try to, give, we try to convince people to be other things than what they're not, but they cannot give you what they do not possess. Moving forward in this, the Holy Spirit, it says that he is a convictor. The Holy Spirit is convicting. 
And, 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 and now the Holy Spirit being a convictor, the word of God says that the Holy Spirit comes into the world and he convicts the world of sin. Which tells me something. As a preacher, I don't have to spend all my days trying to tell you how bad you are. Because we already know. The Bible says that, it says that I would not have really known sin unless I had first learned of the law. I mean, you, when you learn of the law, that's when, like, li- that's when life really gets tough, doesn't it? Like, you didn't even know fornication was bad until you was like, man, that's it, I can't fornicate. <laughs> y'all know, y'all know, y'all know it's the truth. It's like, you know, you ever been driving? Like, I do it sometimes a lot. Like, I be driving on the street, and I'm like, I don't even want to see the sign because I don't want to know it's a speed limit. I just be... Just in case they get pulled over, they're like, uh, do you know what the speed limit was? Nope, didn't see it. <laughs> you can't hold me accountable for something I don't know, bruh. And I'm like, but I can't do that now because like, my car had the speed limit on. I'm like, oh, well, I see it now, but I'll be trying to look over it. I just, I didn't understand and conceptualize sin until I first heard about the law. And with a law-conscious mind, all you think about is law. Now, you got you to get this. There is, a, there is a gray area for a lot of people that a lot of Christians find themselves stuck in where the Holy Spirit exists as a guide. And in the beginning stages of this, it's a place of conviction. Now, you would think a convictor is going to give you a verdict, you would think, why would my advocate, why would my attorney, why would my lawyer, why would my counselor want to convict me? Because conviction is supposed to cause for you to change. Condemnation is what, being, is what brings you guilt and shame. Conviction says, I got to change. I knew I had a way of escape. I didn't take it. Next time, I'm going to do better. I need to change. I don't need to do that no more. I don't need to hang around with them no more. I don't need to talk to them no more. All right, bet. I ain't going to do none of that. I got to change. That's conviction. But here's the thing. Here's conviction here. That gray area that many of us, we fall into this, into this deep hole is that instead of just stepping right into liberation, which the Holy Spirit is a liberator, and we're going to see how he liberates us out of, out of the hospital bed we find ourselves in or liberates us out of the jail cell we find ourselves in. Instead of stepping into liberty, we stay here in this gray area where now we become so law conscious and law consumed that we cannot seem to get over the fact that God loves us and that he calls us into liberty. You know how far we have gotten in the world? I was sitting down with some guys this week and uh, they were arguing. These two guys were, were arguing over whether or not Christians can drink a glass of wine or not. And they were going, I mean, it was good too. And I was just sitting and I was like watching the whole thing, engaged. Like, y'all argue until your faces fall off. Because this is, I mean, just some good scripture. They start using words I ain't even heard of before. I'm like, y'all are theologically sound, I guess. Because I don't have a dictionary in front of me to really prove if the word you just used was actually a real one. And they was like, so what you think, preacher? I said, you know what? I feel like, you know, in our, in our day and age, we've come this far in our lifetime, and um, we got people out here who are dying. We got people out here who are hungry and, and sick. Getting to the holiday season where people are, more people are thinking about committing suicide because of what they lack. And the only thing that we can find time to talk about right now is whether or not somebody can have a glass of wine. See, 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 that's your problem. That's your problem. You trying to duck and dodge the question. 
No, no, it's just a stupid question. That's it. It's just a stupid one. I mean, if you don't have a glass of wine, I mean, call it communion. I don't care. If you don't get drunk off a glass, I don't. Are you sober-minded? The Bible wants you to be sober-minded. That's what the Word says. So I don't I mean, I guess a glass of wine won't do that, but. I mean, you, y'all can argue over it how you want to. You can argue over the semantics of it. You can stay in the gray area if you want to, but there's liberty that I've called myself into. Liberty that I've called myself into. And you know what? Legalists can't get over that. They find themselves stuck in that area. Nope, I got to argue this point. The counselor's like, I wish you'd shut up. Just keep walking. <laughs> you're, you don't even sound right when you argue it because you're not even rightfully dividing it the right way. And, and we, we find ourselves in this. And, and the church, for, for the longest, for years, we've been, we've been in this place. What can women do? What can women wear? What can, how can women talk? You know, you can't wear makeup. Don't put no makeup on that barn. You know, don't wear no earrings. If, you, if it ain't a denim skirt, if it don't touch your ankles, you ain't holy. You know, isn't it funny, though? Some of the meanest people I've ever encountered our church folk. And our generation, we've seen that so much. We're like, if that's what it's supposed to be, I don't want it. People, I get the older, older guy, uh, 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 young, young preacher. I see you be wearing them T-shirts when you be preaching and things. Them T, them T-shirts, y'all, 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 y'all lost the holiness of the pulpit. No, bro, I didn't, I didn't lose the holiness of it. It's just a transparency within it. Something that I wish we had in growing up a lot of times. Because what we saw, if I may, older preacher, um, (laughs) what we saw so often was this false reality that you showed us. We thought First Lady was always happy because she smiled with a big hat. But then when First Lady divorced you because you cared more for the church than you did her and, and your own kids, it caused us to question whether or not the anointing was in your suit or whether it was just in this church. I, I couldn't, I, I, we're, try, we're trying to figure out whether or not the Bible that you always preach from that said love, but yet you hated every person that you came in contact with. We were trying to figure out how, if it was true love, then, then why did you talk about Sister Martha's chicken instead of just telling her that her chicken was nasty? I'm, I'm trying to figure out how, 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 how my parents always gave, but it always seemed like they had nothing in return. I'm trying to figure out how, how it was always bring your tithes into the storehouse, but yet the devourer seemed like he always came. I'm trying to, I, I see holes in your message. I see holes in what you're saying, and, and, and that's most of the reason why my generation says, if that's what church is supposed to be, as flawed as it is, then why should I be a part of it? I would do well just sitting at home with my shocker rocks. So I question, I question whether or not that that's even real, if it's even reality. Well, I see it, but you be up there telling them people how you be suffering with things. I watch one of your little sermons when the people put your little sermons on that tube, you. You got up there telling people you were dealing with depression and things. Yeah, because we're real people and we actually have real problems and we go through real struggles. And if we don't talk about them, who else will? If the leader can't be vulnerable, who's going to be vulnerable? 
Because they can't get this false perception that just because I'm on a stage, that means I don't go through anything. My marriage suffers. I get hurt. I get sick. I get tired. And you do too. But if you only show them this perfect perception of what you think you are, and you're always putting people behind the veil, they don't believe it. So please, to save it. Save it with your with your false image, save it. Because whether you realize it or not, your reputation, it precedes you anyway. Just because you don't share it, everybody else already knows. But it's that gray area that many of us, we find ourselves in. Always trying to figure out, I have people come to me all the time, is all sex a sin? Are you, are you serious? Are you, are you kidding me? I could care less what y'all do in your own marriage bed. I, I, don't, I don't care. Put your mouth on whatever you want to put your mouth on. I, don't. <laughs> I just, I just. Could, you, could, could there be some time, could there be something? I don't care. It's like, I, I, feel like, I feel like for many of us, we're trying to make God out to be this slave master. Maybe, maybe that's the premise that many of us have been ingrained because of generational enslavement. So maybe, maybe it doesn't seem right to us unless we have a master who tells us if it is right. You give certain people freedom and they reject it immediately. Pastor, here's my gift. What should I do with it? I don't know. What's your gift? A gift of healing. How many hospitals you passed before you came here? Four? Well, it sounds to me like you should have been using your gift because what you don't use, you're going to probably lose. You ain't going to get better at what you, don't, what you don't practice. You say you got a gift of teaching, but you want a stage. Some of my best sermons have been given in my shower. I have preached a whole, I, I had a whole altar call with angels. All y'all come up here. <laughs> Hell's like, who are you talking to? You can come in here too. <laughs> Come on in here. I'm preaching on something. <laughs> I was like, I'm not coming in there. Well, you stay out there. I got the angels. Don't disrupt what the Holy Spirit's doing in here. <laughs> when you're in the car, you teach. When you're at work, you administrate. When you're with your friends, you administrate. Continue to practice and build up the gift by which you have been given. Because the body needs it for your service. You, you ever, you ever, people, people with a gift of wisdom. You ever knew what to do for somebody else's life? Y'all already know where I'm going with that. It's like, woo! I know, but you don't know how to do it for your own. That's because the gift wasn't intended for you, baby. It was intended for somebody else. That's why it's a shame when you isolate yourself from people who are gifted. That's what the whole body is supposed to be about. We assemble together trying to figure out who gifted and what. Who got a gift? So I need some healing because I ain't got no encouragers around me. All these people are just administrators. Administrators don't encourage that well, you know. They just like, do, 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 do. Tell me thank you. Bye. Where the healers at in the room? I need some healers. Identify yourself. Where are the people who are gifted and given? I need some people who are gifted and given. Identify yourself. That's when, that's when the body comes together. That's when it works well together. Because every joint fitly supplied 
that the arm doesn't say to the leg that I don't need you just because maybe we move in different directions at times. That we all need one another and the gift works together. But it's in this place of, man, this is where I stand. The Holy Spirit says, all right, I'm convicting you. I'm letting you know as my client, um, these accusations, you know they're true. We know they're true. The judge knows they're true. The prosecutor definitely knows they're true. All the witnesses, they know they're true too because they seen you when you did it. But here's the thing. Now that you know that they're true, let's change direction. Let's show them a different character. I know it's not going to change overnight. That's why it's a process. Sanctification is a process. It's going to be okay. It's going to be okay. You've been justified by the mediator with Jesus Christ. Sanctification is a process. It's going to be a constant washing of the water with the word. That's why you're going to constantly have to get the word to constantly get your old way of thinking out because this is how you've been thinking. This has been your ideology. We got to get all that stuff out of you. I know that's how you thought, but that ain't how it's supposed to be. I know you thought marriage was supposed to be all about you, but it ain't. You're going to be all right. You're going to be okay. Just don't, don't divorce. Okay, crazy. Just stop. Just keep getting the word. You don't even know what submission, that ain't what submission is. Hush, you don't even know what it is. Submission is an act of great strength, not an act of weakness. Any, any fool can rebel, but it takes true strength to submit. But you don't understand how he is to me. Well, then the Bible says to love, but don't worry. I'll get to him too. Just stop being a witness to somebody else traveling. You just sit here and be quiet in yours. Just, we got you. Let me work on him. Let me work on her. We'll be okay. We'll be fine. But we got this. And, and so here we are in this, in this state, and, and he says, okay, we're in the hospital bed. And some of us are in the hospital bed right now, and we're dealing with certain issues of our life, hurts, pains, diseases, things that have diseased us. Some of us find ourselves in jail cells. I've talked to people who say, I hear what you're saying, Pastor, but I'll never forgive them. I take them to the scriptures. I say, you know, the scripture says, forgive as you've been forgiven. That if you don't forgive, that you cannot be forgiven. I understand what it says, but I'm still not going to forgive. What makes you think that forgiveness is yours to hold on to? Bro, you, you're letting somebody who's been dead for 20 years control your life from the grave. And you don't think that's a problem? So you're going to hold on to it. All right, bet. That's why your marriage is the way that it is. That's why your life is going to be where it's going to be. You're never going to grow beyond what you cannot forgive. So that's why you're going to stay right there where you are. And I, there's nothing else I can do. But can you mentor me? I can't. I, can't, I, cannot mentor, I cannot mentor bad mentality. I can't mentor a bad heart. Mentorship is to give you guidance and wisdom on how you can go. But I can't mentor a bad heart. you got to fix that with him. And he's telling you how to do it. And all he's telling you to do is get out of your jail cell. Take the IVs out of your arm. Are you tired of being a victim? But you don't know when they raped me. You don't know when they molested me. You don't know what they went through. And, and, and granted, there are certain things. You got to go through stuff. It's a process how you get all that stuff out of you. But at some point, you got to realize this has to be a decision that I'm going to actually get up. Why won't you just roll into the water and, and get healed? Well, every time I try to, somebody always go before me. Why roll your behind up in that doggone water and get healed? How long you been? How many? All these years? And you're next to healing. 
But you still want to be a victim. Okay, so if I'm in prison, imagine that we're all in prison, right? We're just sitting there in the bed. We lay down. We get up. We lay down. We get up. Oh, we look at the walls. We see the bars. We just feel contained. The best sound we can hear are the sound of keys rattling. Every time you hear the sound of keys, you jump up. Man, who is that? Who is that? Somebody coming to get me? And all of a sudden, you see somebody coming with some keys, which takes us back to the scriptures now, because we always got to prove by the scriptures that Jesus went to hell and he grabbed the keys. And he comes and he says, okay, remember now, I came to mediate between death and life and, and blessings and curses. I came to mediate this between this. So, so as your mediator, I'm going to let you know, I got some inside information, and uh, I'm going to go ahead and open up the, the jail cell for you. And that door swings wide open. And here we go. Oh, my God, this is such good news. This is good news. I can leave out of the jail. This is such good news. I probably ain't going to go, though. Because liberation seems scarier than oppression. It would almost be better that I just remain oppressed than to go into liberation because freedom seems like it wouldn't be as enjoyable for me. I don't know because I know me and I don't know, I don't know if I can really get up with freedom. And, and, and the Holy Spirit says, now listen, now he opened the door and he brought me as a guide. So I've already convicted you of why you're here, but we already know why you're here. It ain't the time to mope and complain why you're here. It ain't the time to mope and complain about what you did last night. It ain't the time to mope and complain about what you did this morning. That's not the opportunity to do this. Now it's your opportunity to say, okay, I'm not going to do that again. And now let's go past the gray area before you drown in this and go out to jail cell. Go into liberty. Go into liberty. And the Holy Spirit becomes a liberator to bring us out of the unforgiveness that we found ourselves in. To bring us out of the pains and the hurts and the diseases that we found ourselves in. That we change our perspective and our mentality and stop seeing God as this taskmaster who's always trying to beat us down for what we just don't do right. Because if we, if we could be honest, every person in this room, I don't care how holy you are, I don't care how many Bibles you have highlighted, I don't care how many journals you I don't care how many journals that you have, or how many Bible studies you preached, or how many telechurches you, you've had. I don't care how many posts you put up, I don't care how many likes you get. There's one thing that we all have in common. We all fall short. Every last one of us. If the goal was for us to reach 100 meters in a pool, just because you can reach 80 and I can only reach 60, and I can only reach 60 does not mean that you're better than me. It just means that you went a little bit further, but we both drowned. We all fall short. And Holy Spirit says, I don't want you to get lost in the gray area. I need you to step into liberty. I need you to step into liberty. Well, okay then, preacher. If we step into liberty, then... That's greasy grace. We're just going to do whatever we want to do, huh? That's not what the scripture is saying. It's a perspective. See, see the thing is, if you, are, if, if you are really focused on serving the Lord all the days of your life, then maybe you won't be so focused on sleeping with everything that opens up his, his legs to you. It's perspective, baby. But your perspective, your mentality is stuck on what I can and what I cannot do. But if you, if you step into liberty and say, I give myself fully to you. I'm going to serve you. I don't have time to be worried about who I don't have because I'm so busy with what you have given me to do. I don't have time to be worried about what everybody else's marriage is doing because why I'm busy with my own because my own got problems. I ain't got time to be worried about how everybody else's kids are. I have my own 
I got my own kids to deal with. I don't care about what everybody else is doing in their business or, you know, I'm 35 and I'm not married yet. Who cares? You will be okay. You'll be okay. If Sarah got, if Sarah had a baby at old, you know, old age, I'm quite sure God can poof something out of you too. You're going to be fine. (laughs) You will be okay. It's amazing what, like six months, eight months, a year could change. Some of your lives, things that you have right now that you prayed for, now, six months ago, you'd have been like, I don't know if I'm going to ever have it. And now you got it. And here's the crazy thing. You don't even want it. Pray for kids. Oh, your face, God, give me kids. You had every altar call, impregnate my womb right now. Like, <sighs> Here you go. I can't wait to have this baby. I'm so sick of this child. <sighs> you had a baby. How the baby doing? I don't know. I love my home. Them children, them children get on my nerves. Talk about they hungry. Didn't I feed you yesterday? <laughs> God, I just want to be married. Ooh. <laughs> then you get married. <laughs> oh, I'll be sitting in them counseling sessions like, okay. <laughs> All right, tell about your marriage. <sighs> I mean, you can talk first. I'm not going to say nothing because if I say something, it ain't going to be nice. I mean, I mean, the issue is, is that she always want me to do what she want me to do. That is not the case. Now I'm going to talk. Shut up. The case is that he don't ever want to be a man and stand up to his. See, that's what I'm always talking about. I told you to be. I look, I'll be like, y'all done yet? Y'all pray for this, remember? Y'all pray for each other. Remember, that was your Boaz. That's a word, that's a word in the Bible. Y'all better stop. That, that, is, that, that was your Boaz. You prayed for him. You pray, uh, you better stop. That was your Rachel. You work for that. Gave up 14 years for it. Remember, you, you work for that. You save yourself. Talking about you abstinent. <laughs> Why are you abstinent? Because, you know, I love her, bro. I love her, man. She's amazing, man. She's amazing, bro. She everything. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Jesus, help us. But the Holy Spirit desires us to walk in liberty. He's a liberator. Whatever courtroom that we find ourselves in right now, we are the client. The accusations are being hurled against us, against the prosecution. The judge hears everything, but yet he has stacked the court in our favor. He gave us a mediator in Jesus Christ. He gave us a counselor, an attorney an advocate, a lawyer in the Holy Spirit. And he says, I'll fight the case for you. Just stop. Could you stop worrying about what's going to happen tomorrow? And just take peace that you have comfort with you. I'll guide you through it. Would you get up out of that jail cell? And some of us are in jail cells this morning of unforgiveness. Some of us are in jail cells this morning of just pure addictions. You know, I used to always get upset when I, hear, when I hear people, they get up and give their testimony. They'd be like, hey, I just want to come here and let everybody know I was at church last night, and it was a, you know, I got healed. Um, 
you know, God just took it away from me altogether. And I'd be sitting there like, so? Because I'd be wondering, like, how, 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 is it, how is it so easy for you? I meet people that was like, yeah, I prayed one time that God delivered me from cigarettes like 21 years ago, and he did completely. And I'm like, not my story. <laughs> I still got things. I'm like, God, would you please? I mean, this one time I was in my house. I was single. I was in my house, and I didn't realize I was stupid. I was sitting on a carpet, and I took olive oil, and I poured it all over my head. <laughs> Whatever. I was reading the Bible. That's what I thought I was supposed to do. I was looking for, like, sackcloth and ashes. Like, it was, it was crazy. I was like, God, just help me. <laughs> I'm a sinner. <laughs> oh, gosh. And, and, and all that time, I didn't, I didn't realize the Holy Spirit was calling me into a place of liberation. To change my perspective from constantly thinking about how will I not sin to changing my perspective to how will I always serve to liberate my mind and to cleanse my heart, to cleanse my heart so I didn't see everybody as an enemy, to cleanse my heart so I could open up and I can trust somebody, including the counselor I have with me. Some of you are in jail cells here today. <clears throat> you can't trust anybody because of all the times of your life you've been hurt, diseased, lied on, accused, People call you out your name, slanderers, everything brought up against you. And you can't seem to get out of that hospital bed. You've been laying next to freedom, laying next to healing all this time. And maybe you didn't even realize it. But no more excuses today. Today we get the healing we need. For some of us, that healing starts with Jesus Christ. We recognize that Jesus Christ, <clears throat> in fact, did die for us. You know, when we look at Jesus Christ, we don't just accept him as Savior, we also accept him as Lord. What that means is very simple. When Jesus Christ is my Savior, that means I believe he, he redeemed me from eternal damnation. He saved me from hell. When Jesus Christ is my Savior, that means he saved me from death. But when Jesus Christ is my Lord, that means when I step into full liberty, it's no longer I that live. But he who lives within me lives through me. I live for him, not me. That means it's no longer my way, but it's his. As somebody told me, they told me years ago, or told me, no, years ago, it was about six, eight months ago. I said, you know, I believe God told me to move to Atlanta. I said, well, praise God. We ain't got no more room, but praise God. You can find a space. Don't bring your car with you. Get on public transportation. We ain't got no room on the roads. We have no occupancy. He said, I believe God called me to move. And then a, little, a while ago, a couple weeks ago, a person said, uh, I got a job offer in another state. I said, but what, what, but what did God tell you to do? And he said, I know, but it's, it's a good opportunity. So I want to caution you. So what you're saying is, is that you don't serve God, you serve opportunity. And when the opportunity changes, then you just change on God. How do you know, pastor, that it wasn't God who gave the opportunity? Because God is not double-minded. You are. So what do you think I should do? I don't think you should do anything. I think what God is telling you to do is stick with the plan. 
I mean, stick with the plan, Abraham. Stick with the plan, Joshua. You've already seen the vision. Just stick with the plan. Stick with the plan, Joseph. Stick with the plan. Jesus, just stick with the plan. And for you, just stick with the plan. For you in here, your healing could start to recognizing Jesus Christ as your Lord and your Savior. Making that commitment here this morning. And saying, I need to do that. I need to commit myself to him as Savior and as Lord. And maybe you're in here and you say, I need to take that next step. I need to be baptized. Keep putting it off. The Holy Spirit is nudging you right now. People say, I, I have a funny feeling. That's not a funny feeling. That's the Holy Spirit. That's the Holy Spirit. He's talking to you. Sometimes that still small voice, for some of you, it's like a punch in the, just in the stomach. Just, it's time. Quit putting it off. It's time. It's time. Or maybe for some of you, this is your opportunity to finally recognize I need community. I meet way too many people who will say, you know, pastor, I get so lonely. And I'm like, why are you lonely? You're part of a, of a huge family. I know, but I ain't met nobody yet. That's why you stand in the lobby. That's why after church, that's when church, church for us begins after we leave. We dismiss. That's when we start. That's when the party begins for us. This is just the huddle. This isn't even the game. This is like if we're, we're all playing football, this is the huddle. This is where we all come. We get to play and we're like, all right, ready, break. And then we all leave. And we get on the field and we're like, all right, we're going to run the play. We're gonna, why are you running that way? Crazy. That ain't what you heard. Come over here. Like we, that's how we talk to each other because we're family. We got to run the play. And, and you're trying to play flag football against a whole team by yourself. You're trying to war against something by yourself. The Bible says if you want friends, it's very simple. He says, show yourself friendly. That means that you can't have a stank face all the time. My <laughs> girl, she came to the house. She was like, Heather, I mean, they always be saying that I'm just like, guys be like, why your face is like that? I'm like, what you talking about? I looked at, I, I was looking from afar and I said, like that. I don't know why men don't come up to me. Because of your face. Expression. Your facial expression. <laughs> fix it. Fix it, pastor. I fix it. Her facial expression. Smile. Put on a smile. I mean, just stand in the lobby like, I mean, don't do it too crazy. Be like, <laughs> nobody's going to come up to you. We're going to be like, oh, pass by that one. <laughs> but just show yourself to be friendly. But you got to be in a place well, you can have that liberty to express yourself and be who you are in accordance to the Spirit of God. You gotta have that. You gotta have a place where you can come and bring your gifts and we can work together as a body to fulfill the one unity that God has given us. Or maybe you're in this place and you say, I need to rededicate myself. I've been in that jail cell of unforgiveness. I've been in that jail cell of hurt and diseasement. I've been, I've been in that place of I'm just pain. I'm tired. You know, this is, we're getting into the holiday season. And you know, they say, the, the, the stats show that more people commit suicides around this time of the year. For some of us, it's joyous, isn't it? Man, you can ready to see family, people you ain't seen before. Some of y'all going back home. You're going to see some people you used to hook up with. You're going to be like, why'd I hook up with you? Some of y'all going to see some people you used to hook up with. It's going to be temptation not to hook up again. 
Also, y'all lying in here. Y'all know it's true. It's, it's, it's going to be a fun time. It's going to be exciting. It's going to be great. But for some people, it's not that exciting. For some people, this is going to be your first holiday season without your spouse because of the divorce. For some of you, it would be your first holiday season without the rock you always had in your family, without mom or without dad, without grandmother, without grandpa, without the kids you loved and the kids you took time and cared for. Now you need family more than ever. It's a hard time. And you may be in the room and you may be saying, I need rededication. I need community. And not only that, I need prayer. I need somebody to pray for me. And I want to be able to do that. To pray for you, to pray over you. That liberation comes to your house. That peace is in your house. But it starts with your heart. Once we get that right, everything else will change. Stop praying and asking God to fix your situation. Ask God to help you and fix your heart. Because when your perspective changes, your situation changes. Perspective is wealth. This is not a mission impossible. It may seem like it is. You may think you're a lost cause, but you're not. He's given us help. And here comes the Holy Spirit to save the day. If any of those five things ministers to you, salvation, if you're in this place and you say, I want to be baptized, this is my opportunity to do that. If you're in this place and you say, man, I need to join this church. I need a family. I need a community. If you're in this place and you say, okay, it's time for me to rededicate myself. I've been going the opposite direction. I need to turn around. Okay, Holy Spirit, I, I feel the conviction. But I'm not going to wallow in it. I'm walking into liberty. Or if you just say, I need to have prayer because I'm hurting right now. Nobody else around me can see it. I'm tired of putting on a fake smile to show it. I just need somebody to understand I'm hurting. If one of those five things ministers to you, I just want you to just come down here to this altar. I want to pray for you real quick, please. You can come on either side. I just want to pray over you and pray for you. experienced bondage before which we all have then we know the power of freedom we know it it's a question that the Holy Spirit asked me years ago and I used to wrestle whether or not I wanted to be obedient just do what he told me to do and He asked me a question that I'll never forget. He said, are you tired yet? I was like, I'm not tired yet. You know I'm not tired. He's like, are you tired yet? 
Like tired of what? He said, are you, are you tired of bondage? You tired of drama? You tired of self-hatred, which I had a lot of? Are you tired of always being a victim? Are you tired? Don't you want to taste what victory looks like? Don't you want to taste what freedom and liberty, don't you want to taste what it looks like? I don't forget, I fell down to my knees and I hit my face and I was bawling tears. And I'm like, I'm so tired. You know, it's that, it's that cry that just, it's like it just breaks something in you. It's like, I needed that. I didn't cry it in years. And I needed that. It's like it washed my soul. I was just tired. I was tired of always having to be strong for everybody else. And I was weak for myself. I was tired. And for those of you who he's still speaking to, I ask you the same question. Are you tired yet? Are you tired yet? Father, I pray for those who are down here. I pray for those who responded. Pray, God, that you know their needs. You know what it is that you desire from them. You know you desire where you desire for them to go. Father, I thank you that you just won't leave them. You won't forsake them. You'll always keep them. Keep them in that perfect peace. They accept the mediator and they choose life and life more abundantly. I bless you for it. I thank you in it. Through and by Jesus, I pray. Amen. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.